Hello, everyone. Welcome into Inside LAFC. I am Max. And finally, the schedule is out. We're going to break down some of the key dates coming up. As we know, it all begins April the 17th at home against Austin. Austin FC, the new boys. Just we did it last year with Miami. So we got to break them in a little bit. Show them what it's all about. Coming up, uh, a very special interview with the new coach of the Las Vegas Lights, Steve Chirundolo, who is working with the guys at the Performance Center with LAFC. And there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of games, a lot of minutes for guys that need them. And it's all going to come back to the club. Steve, as I've said in past podcasts, is an incredible resource. You could argue the greatest fullback the United States has ever developed. He's local from San Diego and went off an incredible adventure into German football, where he was for for a ton of appearances. And he is a legend at Hanover. He doesn't have to pay for a meal if he ever goes back, and I'm sure he does. But he's back here at home. It's pretty exciting for him. And we'll ask. I'm going to ask him everything. I'll ask him everything, and uh, we will we'll we'll dig in a little bit. And for you for you football tactical types. Some of us would call it like me, these football nerds. You're going to really enjoy it as we'll get into his 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 mind. And that's really with what he has learned. And a lot of people, when you see these high profile names take over his coaching ranks, there is so much clout and equity built into the experience he has had as a player that has prepared him for a coach. So I always sign off on those kind of coaching candidates because A, they'll always have the undivided attention of the players he's walked the walk he's talked to talk he has done it all in his career and now he's bringing it back to LAFC that is really exciting as is the release of the schedule you guys should have all seen it by now the 34 game campaign you will notice that it is all western conference just like last year that is by necessity for 2021 there is one game on August the 15th against Atlanta United it made me think about what the schedule will look like in the future. You certainly want to accommodate as many rivalries and LAFC has many of them. And I wonder as the league grows 27 teams and that's going to grow with the arrival of Charlotte and St. Louis and probably a 30th team here at some point, which was to be Sacramento. uh, How do you release a schedule where you keep those rivalries intact does it does it look like an all-western schedule i kind of like it i want some eastern conference games in the atlanta maybe more than one it's not going to be a uh, a schedule a a, you want every team to have as close to a similar schedule as possible so when you get to the postseason if it's close you don't have any arguments If you play an Eastern Conference team, LAFC would play Atlanta, which is expected to be really good. If you're a coach or if you're a part of the club, you'd probably want to play an Eastern team that's not very good so you can closer guarantee points towards the final tally. But I would expect that. I think this it makes sense. I, I, I think in 2022, when we have some more normalcy, keep in mind, even though... Uh, COVID numbers are going down. You have Canadian teams that aren't going to be able to play in Canada. So you're going to feel it. There's going to be travel restrictions. All of that's going to come into play much less than we had last year. But as we get to 2022, I wonder if we're going to be like Major League Baseball back in the day where 
the American League played the American League, the National League played the National League, and they only met in the final. Of course, Major League Baseball now has, uh, what's that called, mixed leagues, interleague games. And I think it's impossible not to, to blend. I think from a business perspective, yet yeah, need that. But uh, it's, uh, I think, really embrace it. So you have the rivalry games. You're going to get a lot of Portland, a lot of Seattle. You're going to get a lot of Galaxy. So three meetings against the Galaxy, May the 8th, August the 28th, and October the 3rd. Good part now that you have the schedule also, you'll be able to determine where you may want to go on a road trip. I think uh, Austin would certainly be at the top of my list because I, I want to get back there and I want to see a new stadium. That'll have to wait when we're there later in the year. I think the rivalry against San Jose is going to blossom this year where it could maybe reach the levels of Portland, Seattle. It's a natural rival. The Almeida element has certainly brewed interest and the connection to Liga MX, uh, the arrival of Chofis, a Chivas player. And of course, Almeida, who's connected with Chivas as well. I think that's going to be the rivalry that blossoms, at least grows the most. Galaxy will always be number one. Portland and Seattle. Portland to me was always two, but with our history of Seattle, maybe the Sounders have moved up. And I think the Earthquakes by season end nestle in at number four, still with a high ceiling to move forward. We expected just you you need it in order to have a 34-game schedule that starts April and ends November. You're going to have midweek games. You will notice those have been deferred to the back end of the season, which will help buy time to have fans come to the stadium and every city now is mentioning that we're likely going to have 20 25 percent fans at the stadium by the time we kick things off april 16th 17th around the league but you will see no midweek games kicked in i think june 23rd is our first midweek game so you can do the math there's it's going to be a pretty standard weekend weekend there's a a couple breaks there for international games which is really required because it's going to be a busy summer for all national teams. And this league is not just fielding U.S. players, but Mexico, Central America, Europe, South America. We know that in LAFC. We know that abundantly clear. And uh, that's going to be something that you're going to have to lessen the blow a bit uh, with regards to having a big chunk of your players miss games. It's going to be impossible to avoid that, but hopefully the dates that are in place can help alleviate it somewhat. It's um, it's, it's good. You're going to need a deep squad in 2021 to keep your head above water, to stay in the top positions. I talked to a lot of folks. Everyone really feels LAFC will be amongst the favorites. There's no reason not to think that and have a big bounce back, certainly after the, what developed in the CONCACAF champions league, but you got to avoid injuries. you got to limit international duties because international duty now comes possibly with a quarantine. I will say, and I've said this in the past too, having South American players, South America is way behind in dealing with COVID than we are here and in Europe and really anywhere in the world. The vaccine rollout has, some places don't even have vaccines yet. So just something to keep in mind because it, it definitely affects LAFC. But don't worry about it for a while. We have time. Enjoy April, enjoy May, enjoy the beginning of June. And then we'll get into it. I wanted to say something to the Shoulder to Shoulder podcast. Uh, Jonathan, Chris, Christian, uh, they did something remarkable last night and welcomed everyone from all the podcasts. We have an incredible 
group of podcasts in two languages covering this team. They're beautiful people. And obviously, Larry Friedman and Tom Penn, a bunch of uh, Richard Roscoe were all on there for a special uh, memoriam for Mo Fascio, who we lost. I know I mentioned it last week, and I was... I was hoping for the best and but we didn't get that. We got the worst possible news. And um, Mo's going to be missed and the love that was shared there is something I won't forget. And it was... It just reminds me of what an incredible person we're going to lose. And for those who haven't, I've had people reach out and I go, I didn't get a chance to meet Mo. And it was, I, I regret it. And I was so fortunate to get to meet him. And this is, I, and the guys from Defenders of the Bank, Philly said it. He was, he goes, he was our our, our greatest member. And I, it's hard to, to second guess that because he was so relatable and agreeable and you could come up to him and gives you the right answer. And people talked, Jaime Camille was there talking about the embrace that Mo would have and how it felt like you were in the safest set of arms ever. And uh, I, I know everyone would love to experience just seeing the impact he had and how he said everything the right way. This is a person I could see being the leader of this club one day. That's how uh, remarkable he was. So I want to thank everyone for putting that together and, uh, when you build a club, it's for moments like this. The, the What LAFC envisioned building a club with a foundation that is strong is to absorb these blows when we lose uh, people, when, when bad things happen. And we have done that in incredible grace, and we continue to do that. But we all remember to remember, Mo, uh, when we're walking in there. And uh, Rich said it, too, on the, in the meeting about how – he will be he will be remembered like a titan, which he certainly should. And uh, that's it. I I just wanted to share that and just say how proud I am to be with this club after being part of that last night. Lots of love. It's all about love. When we return, I, I didn't mean to, <laughs> to 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 end on a such a, a downer, but we, we have a great conversation coming up with Steve Chirundolo. We'll remember Mo. Steve Journal will join us here on Inside LFC to talk about the new post and all things LFC. And we'll also talk about the U.S. national team and the players that uh, are hopefully leading us to World Cup glory soon. This is Inside LAFC. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We certainly appreciate the support. Welcome back to Inside LAFC. It's now my pleasure to welcome in the newest member of the LAFC family slash Las Vegas Lights Head coach of the lights, Steve Trundolo. Steve, welcome to the program and welcome to your new life as a, a coach. Thank you for the very warm welcoming. It's been a great first two weeks. Um, we're up and running and I'm excited for more. I was telling some of our listeners of, of, about you and some folks that are new to soccer and you were you are the OG. Uh, do you remember how many appearances you made for Hanover? I don't know the exact number, but I do know I was there for quite a few years um, and I have the scars to prove it. 
<laughs> 423 and then the 87 caps uh, for the national team. A lot's changed in the game uh, in a short time since you stopped playing. Have you, you ever stopped and look at the landscape? Or how much of it do you think has changed? Well, I think it depends on where we are. I think you were t- uh, speaking stateside. I think everything has been is completely different from when I first um, became pro and um, or went to college. Um, you know, when you see the MLS now into their 26th season, it's uh, unbelievable the pr- progress they've made. Um, and also, the, you know, the average American soccer player has made progress. So incredible progress stateside. Um, and Europe has been uh, obviously progressing well as well with their styles and trends. But um, um, I would love to say, and I think it's true to say, that um, the United States is catching up. Uh, it's fantastic. I might get a little bit chronologically out of order here, but part of the story is coming back uh, from San Diego and play, played for La Jolla Nomads and then made the move to Germany where you were there for uh, your entire career. If Well, let's start a bit with the LAFC side of it. And When did you know this was something you wanted to do? Um, well, I always knew I wanted to get into coaching. I think as a player... Um, it was something that always fascinated me, how coaches address the team, um, you know, how they structure training, um, how they got the most out of each player um, and how that whole uh, puzzle was pieced together. Um, and then I, after my career, I got into coaching a little bit. And in, in the move back to the United States has always interested me also as a player. Uh, but unfortunately, I had to end my career um, with an injury in Germany um, a little early. Um, and so getting home um, as a become coming home as a coach seemed very logical to me as well. And it was just trying to find the right spot and the right fit for both club and coach. Um, and sure enough, um, it seems like a wonderful fit so far. And I was very, very happy to get a call from John and we took it from there. You, obviously your coaching career is just beginning, but a big, a big, a lot of appeal for LAFC was to have someone with your credentials. How did those experiences not knowing at the time, even though you did say you were going to be a coach, but those experiences playing week in, week out in one of the top leagues in the world, playing for your national team, those experiences, how do you channel that into the coaching when, when you're looking for those experiences to pass them on to your players? How important is that? Well, those experiences that I was fortunate enough to experience as a player, um, you know, they come back on a daily basis when I'm watching training or evaluating um, some of the progress from our players. Um, here at the Lights um, or some of the um, LAFC Academy um, players. You know, when I see little things, little habits and training and, you know, images pop up in my head of, okay, well, you went through similar situations and you discovered how to find a way around that or you've had solutions for that. So let's give those back to the players. Um, And that's what I'm finding myself doing on a daily basis. Um, In my experiences in Germany and, and, um, also with the DFB, working with the Youth Academy program there um, has also helped me out considerably in just evaluation of players um, and then understanding the level and speed of play. And I think that's something that we'll, um, we'll definitely be able to implement here with the lights and um, the younger academy boys. And you mentioned uh, John Thorrington. Was it is that is that how that opportunity was uh, was brought to you? And I we, we certainly know about your the time as players with John and growing up at a similar time in Southern California and also playing abroad. But how did this opportunity come about? Yeah, John and I have known each other for a long time and we've never lost touch. 
Um, and I was here a couple of years ago um, for another reason. And um, I had always wanted to make a point of coming seeing the club and see what John and everybody else at this at this fantastic club was put together. And John was was nice enough to show me around. And um, that really got uh, me thinking about, you know, maybe this could work out at some point. I wasn't sure at what level. Um, and it got both of us thinking. And then, you know, this opportunity with the lights um, and, and LAFC popped up. And uh, we had a pretty short and direct conversation about it on the phone. And um, and obviously I, I did with my family as well, uh, my wife and children. And we decided this is, this is a great fit for all sides. Um, let's go for it. And um, if I have to assess the first two weeks uh, and maybe judge that decision, I'm going to say it's been a complete hit. So I'm excited for more and I'm, I can't wait for more. How, how much do you know about Vegas? You get to spend any time there growing up here in SoCal? I have been to Vegas a few times. Um, it has never been soccer related. So I'm excited to see <laughs> the the soccer side of Vegas. Um, but uh, I know it's a wonderful place and uh, I'm sure we'll get to know each other very well. And, and, and that symmetry between the two cities, because when we heard the news, it was obviously pretty exciting because everyone from L.A. or San Diego or Orange County has has this connection to Vegas. Not always going for sports reasons, but it's it's something that's on the calendar once or twice. How do you see those that relationship between the cities growing through sport, whether it's LAFC, whether it's the Raiders, the Lakers, because there there is that symmetry between the two cities with regards to their clubs. Yeah, I mean, they're both forward-thinking cities, exciting cities. Um, um, sports are, you know, are, are a big part of both. And so it's it's really only logical that they work in a, you know, in a cooperation together. So um, I think it's going to be a great fit. I think um, both sides will be winners. Um, and hopefully um, the biggest winners will be the players in all of this. And it obviously gives a lot of those players up game time at USL, maybe if they're not in that first 11 on a regular basis. And stylistically, working with the coaches with LAFC, how close do you think the vision for what LAFC, how LAFC will play and how the Las Vegas lights will play? How close do you think that will be? Well, what LAFC, Bob and his staff have put together as, as, a, as a product on the field is, is fantastic. And I'd be crazy not to, to build off of that. So it's, um, it's a wonderful um, style of, of football to watch, but it's also very successful, successful. So um, of course, we will be building on that and we'll be adapting to the ability of our team. Um, and it's not the case um, in coaching that you can just um, put any style of play on any on any group of players. No, you have to adapt a little bit to the type of player and the qualities you have in your squad. And so we will be doing that, but those will be minor changes. So um, for sure, there will be similarities and uh, I hope we can achieve uh, much of the same that uh, LAFC and Bob have. Early indicators, and I know you've only been there for a short time, but early indicators on the players uh, that you will have at your disposal. Um, how, how do you think, you mentioned they're, they're going to get these opportunities, but how, how do you project that early on to visualize where you'll have a group that you'll be able to play with uh, when the lights start their calendar? Well, as we put this team together, we had in, in mind, uh, of course, what the what LAFC looks like, and um, you try to emulate that in some ways um, with the certain and special qualities of, of players in, in your team. Um, and I think you will see you will see a lot of similarities, um, but we will also have differences. So no two players are the same. 
Um, and, and nor should you as a player, from his perspective, try to copy anybody else. So um, it, it'll, there'll be some similarities, there'll be some similar qualities, um, but there'll be individuals with different names and different numbers. How would you uh, describe yourself as a coach early on? Do you think you're going to have a certain identity or you the, the players, players coach? What do you think? Um, well, I'm not too concerned with, with how people perceive me as a coach. I think that's a, that's a great question for the players that I've coached <laughs> already. Um, for me, I really hope that, and I'm, be, I'm pretty sure that, you know, my teams and, and the lights will be a brave team, uh, whether with or without the ball, and uh, will be fun to watch, will be exciting. And we hope to be a team that's going to be very difficult to beat. And I think those components, when you add in, of course, um, the football side of things and, and patterns and, and creating chances and scoring them, um, I think it'll it'll uh, paint a pretty picture. Steve, this is obviously an exciting time for U.S. soccer as we project out uh, to what's happening. A World Cup qualifying will be here later this year, the Gold Cup, etc. And also a lot of developing of these players is getting everyone excited. And there was a time when you were at Hanover, there was, you know, uh, Clint Dempsey, Brian McBride at Fulham. It was a small group of players that were at the top leagues and that has obviously proliferated. So I guess a good place to start. How did you get identified uh, going from Southern California to making it to the Bundesliga? It was obviously a uh, uncharted waters for a young American player. Yeah, it's, it's a, it was, uh, it wasn't the norm at the time. Um, but at that time I was with the under 18 national team, um, U S national team. And the coach was uh, Ziggy Schmidt. Um, and we were traveling in Germany in the summer of 98, um, for some preseason matches. And at one of those games was the manager of Hanover 96 and uh, somehow I must've caught his eye. He had known uh, Ziggy and at that time the assistant coach Wolfgang Zunholz for the national team, and they had some, they had uh, played in the past in the United States together, and they exchanged some some words. And somehow I must have caught his eye, and I went over six months later on trial, and you know, the rest is history. That's that story. It, it's incredible because I, I hear that a lot, and it's such a chance meeting sometimes. A coach is watching a game. Maybe they, in many cases, they're there to see someone else and someone catches their eye. And now you as a coach, that's probably something that you're going to experience here as well. It's, it's that, uh, that intu- intuition of a coach when they see a sock, when they see a player and they, they, they notice this would fit in a system. How do you think that perception goes when a coach is seeing a guy and saying, okay, this guy's going to work and the coach that certainly saw you at Hanover, it worked out in spades because you became a legendary player there. But that percept, just being able to identify talent, how do you how do you see that from the coach's perspective? Well, every coach has an idea of how he wants to play, a philosophy. And along to to create a philosophy, you need principles, and um, and the principles will be broken down into characteristics of a player. You know, there are four to five major categories depending on how how you do it. There's the physical side, there's the tactical side, there's the technical side, and there's the mental side. And when you break down each of those categories, um, you get into the, the sub-principles. So I think all of the coaches and scouts out there, um, they will have these already set um, and, and profiles for certain players and looking for certain attributes. And then, um, you know, what comes on top of that for me is every coach has maybe a few very 
um, of their favorite categories and attributes that they're looking for. And when they do see a player that they're not expecting um, would catch their eye with that special tool or category, um, that's when you really go after a player and you like him. And that's usually the most of the time those are really good fits in the system. And I, I always notice that it always seems to be a good fit. You're looking for a left-sided player with pace who can cut in and it works. It's like, it's almost like a jigsaw uh, puzzle in, in many ways, or am I way off base with that? No, it's, it's, um, there are many pieces to the puzzle and they all have different shapes and sizes. Um, and so it's a matter of, of fitting them all together. And sometimes um, those pieces can be in, in the uh, characteristic side. It could be a personality thing. And that could also be um, a tactical or technical one. So it's, it's complex. Anytime you're dealing with a group of, of human beings, it's always complex, but that's what makes it fun. And I don't think coaches get enough credit for that. The complex nature of making all those things fit. And obviously the successful coaches find a way to do that. And we've seen it with Bob Bradley. We're excited to see your vision here shortly. Uh, talking about the Bundesliga and your time at Hanover, and there, there was some players here and there uh, 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Currently, there are there are American players doing well in every major league right now. But in the Bundesliga, you have Gio Reyna, Josh Sargent, Chris Richards, Tyler Adams, John Brooks, Matthew Hoppe. And that's just the, the tip of the iceberg in many ways. After spending your time in the Bundesliga, why do you think it's a good place for young American players to man their trade? I think the Bundesliga is looking for players um, who, who, who have similar characteristics and personalities um, for American players. I think the American player has a wonderful mentality, um, one who never quits, who works hard. Um, he has a great understanding of, he or she has a great understanding of team sports in general and what makes them successful. Um, and on top of that, I think players experience here development in the technical side and the physicality side of things, so the, the, the body side um, at, at the highest level. Um, I think one category where uh, we as a, as a country, a soccer country, a nation need to get a little better is maybe the tactical side and the development program um, to get our, our younger players into higher quality games at more um, with a higher frequency, so more often. And once we've ac accomplished that, then I think we're going to have extremely good talents and and the quantity of the talents will go up will skyrocket um, but right now those qualities that i mentioned that's what german clubs are looking for and um and they fit very very well into the bundesliga it's, we we know about that that spirit of the american player and it's lifted our national team so often and the, it, the technical side is coming along where it's it appears it's going to be a strength so when you mention the tactical side it's just Play, not only playing games, but playing within a system that you are going to get accustomed to is, is that more or less? It's not only that. Um, it's also understanding different systems and how they affect um, another system. And so it's, it's having a good understanding of how this game, game works. So we can call it maybe a football IQ. Um, one, if you, if you just break it down in simple terms, if you go into one space, um, that will change a different space and uh, your teammates will have to um, react accordingly. So um, it's really just kind of being a step ahead of the game. And once we figure that out and install that into every player at a, at a, at a regular basis at a high level, I think we're going to be extremely happy with where this, what this country is doing in, in five to 10 years. 
And part of that's the coaching getting so much better and the arrival of a gentleman like yourself. Steve, we know in recent weeks, we've also had the announcement. Well, we've had the LAFC Academy, but LAFC SoCal Youth. Will you be involved in any way to connecting those dots from the, the youth to academy and seeing how these players get that knowledge, that information, so that they can take that next step? Well, I think we're all involved on a daily basis. I'm working very closely with the academy director, Todd Sadanya, and the academy uh, director of, of coaching and also a coach, Enrique Duran. So, um, yeah, there's a very tight knit as well. Um, and that's the idea that, you know, we are top to bottom, um, all working together. But my responsibilities, first and foremost, are with the lights right now. And um, but for sure, um, knowledge will be shared and conversations will be have will be had. Just bouncing back to uh, the American players, what are your thoughts on the development, not just of the guys in the Bundesliga, but this next tier of players? Most most of them are between 18, 19, 23 and 24. It seems like a golden era is possibly developing. We're very we're anticipating a, a successful 2021. But this group. How much have you seen and what excites you about what they've been able to do, certainly under the guidance of Greg Berhalter? Yeah, I think Greg and, and Ernie and the staff there with the national teams and the youth and the youth teams as well have done a great job of identifying talents and um, progressing their development um, and giving them chances early on in this four-year cycle to, um, to get the experiences that they'll need um, in order to qualify for a World Cup but also to be successful in the World Cup, because I think that's what we're all expecting out of this group. It's uh, offensively and individually extremely talented. Um, it excites me to the core. I, I'm, I'm very excited to watch their games. I um, haven't had that feeling in a long time. So it's, um, it's, it's promising, but we all know how difficult it is to qualify for a World Cup. So um, in, in, in order to do that, I think you have to get really back to the basis, basics and as what made the American or the U S national team successful in the past is just building strong teams and making sure you are a good team and a good group. And once they've achieved that, then I think really the sky's the limits for this team. I'm very excited about seeing them perform at their highest level. You didn't play in major league soccer, but it, the, the league certainly can take some credit for the development of some of those players who started here and are now playing in Europe, the role of the league and you're getting a close look at it at what LAFC can do the role that this league can play in there. How have you seen that develop over the years? Absolutely. I mean, you have to give um, the MLS a lot of credit and, and, and they're in respect of their academies. Um, they've done an excellent job. I think the role of the league is extremely important. A younger players growing up, um, look up to older players, first team players. Those are the idols. Those are the players you try to emulate when you're a younger player. Oh, did you see Carlos Vela's left foot and how he did that? I have to try that as well. And they go out on the pitch or wherever they are and try to emulate him. And that's, that's the key to keep the highest level as high as possible. So our talents have something to shoot for and even try to get better than that. And that's how you push this bar forward. Um, and I think we're well on our way, uh, but these things take time. What's a big difference. I mean, growing up in here in Southern California and now you come back, Part of LAFC, what what this club is doing speaks for itself. The certainly the, what the LA Galaxy were able to establish. When you see the development on all levels of soccer in Los Angeles, from where it was to where it's now, and where it 
is certainly headed. What sticks out to you? I think the, the professionalism that has been now uh, installed in the game is incredible. Um, you know, I think at most of the MLS academies, um, players are not having to, to pay to play anymore. And I think that's a, a big conflict moving forward um, to open it up in this country to make sure our top talents and those fitted best for the game or who want to play the game can play the game at the highest level. I think that's a big factor in, in moving forward. Um, and, and of course, um, getting high quality games at a regular basis. That is also the trick. And it, it, we're a big country geographically and, and trying to get um, our best players more regularly in high quality games. Um, that is also logistically an issue, but I think we'll, we'll get a hold of that as well. And the last piece of the puzzle to me is, is making sure that, um, you know, coaches are continuing to grow and progress and um, to get better coaching at the younger levels. In my opinion, I think the best coaches should be coaching the youngest players and, and maybe not in the finished game. So you said the, the best coaches should be coaching the youngest players. Absolutely. Now, that's interesting. Uh, and it makes a lot of sense when you put it there. Uh, and this is obviously, Steve, this is incredible development. Everyone that, I mean, I broadcast your a lot of your games growing up doing it and seeing that core of guys. And you mentioned Ernie and Greg Berhalter and Brian McBride and all of them being able to feed back into this system in such a, uh, a fluid way and bringing that knowledge back to, the, the, I, I guess the question is, the American experience of soccer. We, we defer a lot and in many places for the right reasons to coaches from all over the world, but that inherently American part, how important is that in order to connect those dots here in the development of the young American player? I think it's both. I think it's, it's, it's wonderful that, um, you know, people like Greg and Ernie and Brian and, um, who are giving back what they learned from their experiences around the world. And um, uh, myself included, I think it's important to give back and, and to grow um, and, and to, to kind of come full circle. But I also think outside influences are still extremely important. Um, so we don't get caught in a rut. And so we don't just keep doing the same thing. So outside influences, but also being strong on the inside as, as a nation and, and um, carrying on the, um, if you will, the American soccer or football condition, uh, tradition is also important. So um, passing the torch, but also allowing room for growth um, through outside influences. That's what it's all about. Oh, Steve, I know we're in really good hands and it's been great to chat with you. By the way, I, I, before you, you got the gig, you, uh, you got to dabble in broadcasting. You got to come into my sphere. How did you how what did you take away from that experience? You enjoy it? I really did. I was really nervous at first, but I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed it. I worked with some great people and um, um, it's a lot more difficult than you would think. So hats off to all of you in, in the industry. So but um, I enjoyed it. I would love to do some more. And uh, anytime I can sit down and watch a game and talk about it, I'm a happy camper. So definitely well, do more of that. Maybe if it's an off week, we can bring you into uh, our, our, our local broadcast for a game or so. We'd, we'd love to have you. Did Twelman give you any tips? He did. He did, actually. He actually does IM me while we're on broadcast. So um, he's giving me live tips as well. <laughs> he's a good resource. I taught that guy everything he knows. Just kidding. Um, we're, I'm very proud of how the, what he's been able to develop. Before I, I let you go, what are the things that are outside of football that are you excited about 
being back in Southern California? What are those things that if you haven't experienced now, you, you're certainly on the list, the to-do list uh, before, before the year's over? Well, on a personal side, it's, it's rekindling old friendships and, um, and spending a lot more time with my immediate family and, and my, own, my own children, spending time with their aunts and uncles and cousins and, and grandma. So um, that is what um, um, is our first priority. And then um, I, I have missed the beach and surfing and growing up on the beach. So that's something I will hopefully, if I have time, include in my, in my weekly schedule. Do you, you, you think you'll still have the sea legs? The surfing will come back to you? I don't know. There's only one way to find out. <laughs> to me, it's the surfing part, the heart is that paddling. That's the part that, you, I mean, you can't surf unless you get out there. That, I mean, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about my experiences, but I can't even paddle out there to try. Yeah, I know. That's definitely the first issue is the condition. It's completely different. The body is not ready for it, but um, there's only one way to get that, and that's lots of practice. So yes. I'm looking forward to that. Steve, I got to say, it's wonderful to hear you say that about reconnecting with, with the family. That's the good stuff. And I'm sure the, the family that's out here in California has got to be thrilled to, to see you and your family. And uh, we, are, we certainly are happy that those connections will be able to made. And we look forward to seeing you lead out the lights and the continuing connection here with LAFC. And it's been an absolute honor to talk to you. I'm a massive fan. I, mean, I know when in the early days covering the sport and we were looking for American success stories. We use the Steve Trundolo example time and time again. And it's, it's wonderful that you're back here with LAFC and we get to, to lean into that experience. I appreciate the kind words and looking forward to speaking to you soon. Steve Trundolo, the head coach of the Las Vegas lights as part of LAFC joining us here on inside LAFC. We're out of time. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll be back very soon. Have a great week, everyone.